0: Hi,
1: welcome to Infinite Cast, a podcast about Infinite Jest,
0: and not just about Infinite Jest. A podcast that is Infinite Jest. It
1: is Infinite Jest. It is. It contains is, it, and is about uh, reset. The jest count to 0.
0: It has been 0, zero days. days since the last infinite jest Twitter blow up.
1: Yes, people are people still be being mad. Who's mad? Who's mad? Who's mad? Uh keep keep uh <laughs> keep telling me uh infinite jest is bullshit. It's only going to make me pot about infinite jest more.
0: It's only going to make us pot
1: harder. Yes
0: this is why i knew this was a good idea i mean is it a good idea who can say
1: we'll talk more about this in the end segment we should get right into the
0: yeah we should we should get to the meat but also we got to figure out a way to say that this podcast isn't just about infinite jest but it is infinite in that we are
1: reading it on the podcast
0: yes we are reading it on the podcast this is not a book club it, it is the book. It is the book, and it's the club. It's the book it's, and the it's club. It's not a book club. It's the book club. <laughs> oh, God. All right. All right, right. Let's into get it. into it. Last week, the the last thing I read was that the medical attache um, was still watching his unlabeled entertainment cartridge. Yes. But now we're moving, baby. We're moving in space and time. It is now uh, October. that We had left it on uh, in April year of the dependent adult mm-hmm. undergarment. Now it is October year of the dependent adult undergarment. For Oren in Condensa, number 71, morning is the soul's night, the day's worst time psychically. He cranks the condo's AC way down at night and still most mornings wakes up soaked, fetally curled, entombed in that kind of psychic darkness where you're dreading whatever you think of. Hal in Condensa's brother Oren wakes up alone at oh730 07- Thirty hundred hours. I'm never going to get this right. Amid a damp scent of ambush, and on the other side's dented pillow, a note with phone number and vital data in a loopy schoolgirlish hand. There's also ambush on the note. His side of the bed is soaked. Orin makes honey toast, standing barefoot at the kitchen counter, wearing briefs and an old academy sweatshirt with the arms cut off, squeezing honey from the head of a plastic bear. The floor is so cold it hurts his feet, but the double-pane window over the sink is hot to the touch. The beastly Metro Phoenix October AM heat just outside. Home with the team, no matter how high the AC or how thin the sheet, Oren Wiggs, with his own impressions, sweated darkly into the bed beneath him slowly drying all day to a white, salty outline just slightly off from the week's other faint-dried outlines so his fetal-shaped, fossilized image is fanned out across his side of the bed like a deck of cards, just overlapping, like an acid trail or timed exposure. The heat just past the glass doors tightens his scalp. He takes breakfast out to a white iron table by the condo complex's central pool and tries to eat it there, in the heat the coffee not steaming or cooling. He sits there in dumb animal pain. He has a mustache of sweat. A bright beach ball floats and bumps against one side of the pool. The sun sun, like a sneaky keyhole view of hell. (laughs) No one else out here. The complex is a ring with a pool and deck and jacuzzi in the center. Heat shimmers off the deck like fumes from fuel. There's that mirage thing where the extreme heat makes the dry deck look wet with fuel. Oren can hear cartridge viewers going from behind closed windows, that aerobic show every morning, and also someone playing an organ, and the older woman who won't ever smile back at him in the apartment next to his doing operatic scales muffled by drapes and sun curtains and double panes. The jacuzzi chugs and foams. The note from last night's subject is on violet bond once folded and with a circle of darker violet dead center where the subject's perfume spritzer had hit it. The only interesting thing about the script, but also depressing, is that every single circle, O's, D's, P's, the numbers six and eight, is darkened in, while the eyes are dotted not with circles, but with tiny little valentine hearts, which are not darkened in. <laughs> Oren reads the note while he eats toast that's mainly an excuse for the honey. He uses his small, smaller right arm to eat and drink. His oversized left arm and big left leg remain at rest at all times in the morning. A breeze sends the beach ball skating all the way across the blue pool to the other side, and Orin watches its noiseless glide. The white iron tables have no umbrellas, and you can tell where the sun is without looking. You can feel right where it is on your body and project from there. The ball moves tentatively back out toward the middle of the pool and then stays there, not even bobbing. The same small breezes make the rotted palms along the condominium complex's stone walls rustle and click and a couple of fronds detach and spiral down, hitting the deck with a slap. All of the plants out here are malevolent, heavy, and sharp. Spiky boys. <laughs> that, that, that's, a, that's editorializing. Uh, the parts of the palms above the fronds are tufted in sick stuff like coconut hair. Roaches and other things live in the trees. Rats, maybe. loathsome high-altitude critters of all kinds. All of the plants, either spiny or meaty, Cacti in queer, tortured shapes; the tops of the palms like Rod Stewart's hair from days <laughs> gone by. Orrin returned with the team from the Chicago game two nights ago. Red Eye. He knows that he and the place kicker are the only two starters who are not still in terrible pain physically from the beating. What sport does he play?
1: He plays the football. The football. That's why I gather. Yeah, that's what a place kicker. Yes. Does. Yes. It uh, also makes sense why one of his legs and arm is big. He's a big boy.
0: Yes, the day before they left, so like five days ago, Oren was out by himself in the jacuzzi by the pool late in the day, caring for the leg, <laughs> sitting in the radiant heat and bloody late daylight with the leg in the jacuzzi, absently squeezing the tennis ball he still absently squeezes out of habit, watching the jacuzzi funnel and bubble and foam around the leg, and out of nowhere, a bird had all of a sudden fallen into the jacuzzi with a flat matter of fact plop out of nowhere. "'out of the wide, empty sky. "'Nothing overhung the jacuzzi but sky. "'The bird seems to have just had a coronary or something in (laughs) flight "'and died and fallen out of the empty sky "'and landed dead in the jacuzzi right by the leg. "'He brought his sunglasses down onto the bridge of his nose "'with a finger and looked at it. "'It was an undistinguished kind of bird, not a predator, "'like a wren, maybe. (laughs) "'It seems like no way could it have been a good sign.' The dead bird bobbed and barrel-rolled in the foam, sucked under one second and reappearing the next, creating an illusion of continued flight. Oren had inherited none of the moms' phobias about disorder, hygiene. Not crazy about bugs, though. Roaches. But he just sat there squeezing the ball, looking at the bird, without a conscious thought in his head. By the next morning no waking. No thoughts head empty. By the next morning, waking up curled and entombed. It seemed like it had to have been a bad sign, though. <laughs> Oren now always gets the shower so hot it's to where he can just barely stand it. The whole condo the condo's whole bathroom is done in this kind of minty yellow tile he didn't choose, maybe chosen by the free safety who lived here before the Cardinals sent New Orleans the free safety, two reserve guards, and cash for Orin in Condenza. Hunter. He's a pro football player? He's a professional football punter. Okay.
1: Spor- sports family. Yes. D- different brothers, different balls.
0: Different brothers, different balls. That is how it do be. Uh, and no matter how many times he has the Terminex people out, there are still the enormous roaches that come out of the bathroom drains. Sewer roaches, according to Terminex. <laughs> Blattaria in Im- Im- Placablos or something. (laughs) Really huge roaches, armored vehicle type bugs, totally black with Kevlar type cases, the works, and fearless, raised in the Hobbesian sewers down there. (laughs) Boston's and New Orleans' little brown roaches were bad enough, but you could at least come in and turn on a light and they'd run for their lives. These southwest sewer roaches, you turn on the light and they just look up at you from the tile like, you got a problem? Oren stomped on one of them only once that had come hellishly up out of the drain in the shower when he was in there, showering, going out naked, and putting shoes on and coming in and trying to conventionally squash it. And the result was explosive. There's still material from that one time in the tile grouting. It seems unremovable. Roach innards, sickening throwing the shoes away was preferable to looking at the sole to clean it. Now he keeps big glass tumblers in the bathroom, and when he turns on the light and sees a roach, he puts a glass down over it, trapping it. After a couple days, the glass is all steamed up and the roach is, is asphyxiated messlessly and Oren discards both the roach and the tumbler in separate sealed <laughs> Ziplocs in the dumpster complex by the golf course up the road. MF isn't even reusing the tumbler. The yellow tile floor of the bathroom is sometimes a little obstacle course of glasses with huge roaches dying inside stoically, just sitting there, the glasses gradually steaming up with roach dioxide. The whole thing makes Oren sick. Now he figures the hotter the shower's water, the less chance any small armored vehicle is going to feel like coming out of the drain while he's in there. Sometimes they're in the bowl of the toilet first thing in the AM, dog paddling, trying to get to the side and climb up. He's also not crazy about spiders, though more like unconsciously. He's never come any place close to the conscious horror himself had somehow developed about the Southwest black widows and their chaotic webs. The widows are all over the place, both here and Tucson, spotable on all but the coldest nights, their dusty webs without any kind of pattern, clotting just about any right angled place that's dim or out of the way. Terminix's toxins are more effective on the widows. Orin has them out monthly. He's on, like, a subscription plan over at Terminex. <laughs> Orin's special conscious horror, besides heights and the early morning, is roaches. There had been parts of Metro Boston near the bay he'd refused to go to as a child. Roaches give him the howling fantods. The parishes around N.O. had been having a spate or outbreak of a certain Latin-origin breed of sinister tropical flying roaches that were small and timid but could fucking fly (laughs) and that kept being found swarming on new orleans infants at night in their cribs especially infants in like tenements or squalor and that reportedly fed on the mucus of the baby's eyes some special sort of optical mucus the stuff of fucking nightmares mobile flying roaches that wanted to get at your eyes as an infant and were reportedly blinding them. Parents would come in in the ghastly AM tenement light and find their infants blind, like a dozen blinded infants that last summer. And it was during the spate or nightmarish outbreak, plus to live flooding that sent over a dozen nightmarish dead bodies from a hilltop graveyard sliding all gray-blue down the incline Oren and two teammates had their townhouse on in suburban Chalmette, shedding lids, limbs and innards all the way down the hillsides mud, and one even one morning coming to rest against the post of their roadside mailbox when Oren <laughs> came out for the morning paper that Oren had had his agent put out the trade feelers. (laughs) And so to the glass canyons and merciless light of Metro Phoenix in a kind of desiccated circle near the Tucson of his own father's desiccated youth. It's the mornings after the spider and heights dreams that are the most painful that it takes sometimes three coffees and two showers and sometimes a run to loosen the grip on his soul's throat. And these post dream mornings are even worse if he wakes unalone, if the previous night's subject is still there, wanting to Twitter or to cuddle and like Spoon, asking what is exactly is the story with the foggy inverted tumblers on the bathroom floor? commenting on his night sweats clattering around in the kitchen making kippers or bacon or something even <laughs> more hideous and unhoneyed he's supposed to eat with postcoital male gusto the ones who have this thing about they call it feeding my man uh, wanting a man who can barely keep down am honey toast to eat with <laughs> male gusto elbows out and shoveling making little noises even when alone Able to uncurl alone and sit up slowly and wring out the sheet and go to the bathroom. These darkest mornings start days that Oren can't even bring himself for hours to think about how he'll get through the day. These worst mornings with cold floors and hot windows and merciless light. The soul's certainty that the day will have to be not traversed but sort of climbed vertically. And then that going to sleep again at the end of it will be like falling again off something tall and sheer so now his own eye mucus is secure in the desert southwest, (laughs) but the bad dreams have gotten worse since the trade to this blasted area himself had fled long ago as an unhappy youngster. As a nod to Oren's own unhappy youth, all the dreams seem to open briefly with some sort of competitive tennis situation. Last night's had started with a wide-angle shot of Oren on a hard true court waiting to receive serve from someone vague, some academy person, Ross Reet maybe, or good old M. Bain, or gray Walt Flechette, now a teaching pro in the Carolinas when the dream screen tightens on him and abruptly dissolves to the blank dark rose color of eyes closed against bright light and there's the ghastly feeling of being submerged and not knowing which way to head for the surface and air and after some interval the dream's Orin struggles up from this kind of visual suffocation to find his mother's head mrs avril mt and condenses the mom's dis- disconnected head attached face to face to his own fine head strapped tight to his face from his Academy Racket's own face. Oh, wait, sorry. I fucked that up. Uh, Strapped tight to his face somehow by a wraparound system of VS High Pro top shelf lamb gut string from his Academy Racket's own face. So that no matter how frantically Orin tries to move his head or shake it side to side or twist up his face or roll his eyes, he's still staring at, into, and somehow through his mother's face and as if the mom's head was some sort of overtight helmet Oren can't wrestle his way out of. Going to a footnote. Oren's never once darkened the door of any sort of therapy professional, by the way, so his takes on his dreams are always generally pretty surface level. <laughs> Back to the narrative. In the dream, it's understandably vital to Oren that he disengage his head from the phylacterish bind of his mother's disembodied head, and he cannot. Last night's subject's note indicates that at some point last night, Oren had clutched her head with both hands and tried to sort of stiff arm her, though not in an ungentle or complaining way. The note, not the stiff arm. (laughs) The apparent amputation of the mom's head from the rest of the moms appears in the dream to be clean and surgically neat. There is no evidence of a stump or any kind of nubbin of neck even, and it is as if the base of the round pretty head had been sealed and also sort of rounded off, so that her head is a large living ball, a globe with a face attached to his own head's face. The subject, after Bain's sister, but before the one just before this one, with the ambush sent and the hearts over eyes. The previous subject, this is capitalized subject, by the way, uh, had been a sallowly pretty Arizona State developmental psychology grad student with two kids, and outrageous alimony, and pensions for sharp jewelry, refrigerated chocolate, interlace educational cartridges, and professional athletes who thrashed in their sleep. Not real bright, she thought the figure he'd trace without thinking on her bare flank after sex was the numeral eight, to give you an idea. Their last morning together, right before he'd mailed her child an expensive toy and then had his phone number changed, (laughs) he'd, he'd awakened from a night of horror show dreams, woke up with an abrupt fetal spasm, unrefreshed and benighted of soul, his eyes wobbling and his wet silhouette on the bottom sheet like a coroner's chalk outline. He woke to find the subject up and sitting up against the reading pillow, wearing his sleeveless academy sweatshirt and sipping hazelnut espresso and watching on the cartridge viewing system that occupied half the bedroom's south wall, something horrific called... Interlace educational cartridges in conjunction with CBC educational programming matrix Matrix presents schizophrenia, mind or body. <laughs> 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 and had to lie there, moist and paralyzed, curled fetal on his own sweat shadow and watch on the viewer, a pale young guy about Hal's age with copper stubble and a red cowlick and flat, blank, afficless black doll's eyes stare into space stage left while a brisk Albertan voiceover explained that <laughs> Fenton here was a dyed-in-the-wool paranoid schizophrenic who believed that radioactive fluids were invading his skull and that hugely complex, high te- high-tech-type machines had been specially designed and programmed to pursue him without cease until they caught him and made brutal sport of him and buried him alive. It was an old late millennial CBC public interest Canadian news documentary, digitally sharpened and redisseminated under the Interlace imprimatur. Interlace could get kind of seedy and low rent during early morning off hours in terms of spontaneous disseminations. And so, but since the old CBC documentary's thesis was turning up pretty clearly to be schizophrenia body, (laughs) the voiceover evinced great clipped good cheer as it explained that, well, yes, poor Fenton over here was more or less hopeless as an extra institutional functioning unit, but that on the upside, science could at least give his existence some sort of meaning by studying (laughs) him very carefully to help learn how schizophrenia manifested itself in the human body's brain. That, in other words, with the aid of cutting-edge positron emission topography, or PET technology, since supplanted wholly by invasive digitals, Oren hears the developmental psychology graduate student mutter, mutter to herself, watching rapt over her cup, unaware that Oren's paralytically awake, Uh, They could scan and study how different parts of poor old Fenton's dysfunctional brain emitted positrons in a whole different topography than your average (laughs) hale and hearty, non-delusional, God-fearing Albertan's brain. Advancing science by injecting test subject Fenton here with a special blood-brain barrier penetrating radioactive dye and then sticking him in the rotating Wait, but
1: isn't he paranoid about radioactive fluids invading his brain? Isn't he?
0: and then sticking him in the rotating body-sized receptacle of a PET scanner. On the viewer, it's an enormous gray metal machine that looks like something co-designed by James Cameron and Fritz Long. (laughs) And now have a look at this Fenton fellow's eyes as he starts to get the gist of what the voiceover is saying. And in a terse old public TV cut, they now showed subject Fenton in five-point canvas restraints, whipping his copper-haired head from side to side as guys in mint-green surgical masks and caps inject him with radioactive fluids through a turkey baster-sized syringe, then good old Fenton's eyes bugging out in total foreseen horror as he's rolled toward the huge gray PET device and slid like an unrisen loaf into the thing's open maw until only his decay-colored sneakers are in view, and the body-size receptacle rotates the test subject counterclockwise with brutal speed, so that the old sneakers point up and counterclock, or er, up and then left and then down and then right and then up. Faster and faster, the machine's blurps and tweets, not even coming close to covering Fenton's entombed howls as his worst delusional fears came true in digital stereo. And you could hear the last surviving bits of his functional, dye permeated mind being screamed out of him for all time as the viewer digitally superimposed an image of Fenton's ember-red and neutron-blue brain in the lower right corner, where Interlace's time-slash-temp functions usually appear. And the brisk voiceover gave capsule histories of first paranoid schizophrenia and then P.E.T., with Oren lying there, slit-eyed, wet and neuralgic with A.M. dread, wishing the subject would put her own own clothes and sharp jewelry on and take the rest of her Toblerone out of the freezer (laughs) and go so he could go to the bathroom and get yesterday's asphyxiated roaches into an EWD dumpster before the dumpsters all filled for the day and decide what kind of expensive present to mail the subject's kid. And then the matter of the dead bird out of nowhere and the news of pressure from the AZ Cardinal administration to cooperate with some sort of insipid type personality profile series of interviews with some profile from Moment Magazine (laughs) with personal background-ish questions to be answered in some blandly sincere team PR way, the unexamined stress of which drives him to start calling Hallie again. Reopen that whole Pandora's box of worms. (laughs) Oren also shaves in the shower, face red with heat, Wreathed in steam, by feel, shaving upward with north to south, south to north strokes, as he was taught.
1: Uh, I. It seems like this uh, Oren person might have some uh, neuroses.
0: <laughs> he might have some psychological issues. There's a little bit with. of psychology going on with he's, him. He's, he's definitely doing some psychology.
1: Yes, there are some psychology has been done onto him.
0: That I. The big takeaway I got from this is I forgot how. It, David Foster Wallace is a
1: horror writer. Oh yeah, that was there. Were, there was some amazing description in there. All the bugs, the dead bodies washing down the hill in New Orleans.
0: The the paranoid schizophrenics worst yes, dreams coming true. True
1: and well, yeah, what's worse, the disease or the cure?
0: The that is so DFW-ian. is yeah, the I mean, like the little and it, like the what does that serve? It's... <laughs> kind of nothing but it's just more of a it's painting like an extra layer of like patina on this idea that like everyone's brains yeah are are like trying to kill them in some way or another right you're born and then your brain is like how can i kill this
1: person and also that that whole chapter is basically encapsulated within the the actual action of waking up eating a piece of toast on the patio and taking a shower. Not much happens. Yes, but but all <laughs> of that respect. is just like it feels very accurate to the like casual horror of just like waking up and considering the world around you while you like stumble to the kitchen. And <laughs> yeah. Get, and get a piece of toast. Right. A favorite breakfast of mine, the honey toast. You do you like honey toast?
0: Is your toast just mostly an excuse for the honey?
1: Uh mine is served with peanut butter and honey. Ah. That's the, the well. Usual you're move. you're a well-adjusted
0: young man. <laughs> yes, I need.
1: <laughs> I, that, that's that's trying to get the the at least four food groups of uh of, of nutrition in with also the peanut butter,
0: the crunchy, the smooth, and the wet. Yes. Of course, the
1: crunchy, the smooth, the wet. Yes, and the sticky and the sticky. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the four the four food groups.
0: We got to stop talking about food groups in terms of taste and more more in terms about of texture. texture. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so it seems like the uh, so far it seems like the spine of this book is built around the Incandenta fa- family. You would be correct that they are they are the central characters, and and, and most else is uh is somehow yes. peripheral to them. Yeah, and it is Hal who is the tennis pro. Yeah, well, I don't know if he becomes pro. Uh, I I can
0: say that that is left unseen.
1: uh, He is the tennis prodigy. And Oren, who was at one point a tennis prodigy, but then transitioned into being a pro football punter for the Arizona Cardinals. We will
0: learn a little bit more about that transition. But yes, you might sort of think of him abandoning tennis for for football as some sort of
1: severing from the family. Severing from the family, like his mom said, Another horrific uh, description. Yeah,
0: these heads, man.
1: The thing that got me most was the thing that was almost tossed off, that it was bound to his head by tennis racket racket, wire.
0: Again, which, I mean, once again, this is going to take four fucking ever, but do you remember when himself, uh, the dad, James Incandenza, was doing that conversation sort of therapy with Hal, and he said that, um, there are the, the stuff that tennis strings are made out of is also what, uh, a cartridge implanted in his head is made out of.
1: Uh, I don't remember that specifically, but thank the, you for, recall, there's for recalling There's something that.
0: about tennis string material that's is very I thought it was here. made out of
1: like nylon, not lambs. Maybe this depends on what, uh, it,
0: He might be inventing some kind of tech, like new technological material that yeah. can like, conduct, uh,
1: electricity or something uh well i mean what struck me as parsing these things again i'm not sh- quite sure yet what timeline they're on is that uh oren is a, a neurotic is clearly a neurotic mess mm-hmm. uh how at least in his portrayals does not seem to have inner neuroses but is somehow not like able to communicate with with people outside like his actual inner monologue was very calm and measured and and uh um, I'm um, um, purely purely analytical.
0: You we will we will meet his neuroses pretty soon. I think actually because he's got them, but they're a different flavor than ours
1: Of course, well everybody has their neuroses. Everyone's got their own special <laughs> and, flavor, you know. And he he ate the mold. He ate the mold. He did. Yeah. So, uh, uh that was a good segment. Uh, I want to use the balance of our episode to uh go back to the beginning and and just uh relitigate what the fuck is people's problem with this book i because here's the thing from the latest one we're talking about a tiktok which uh i will not grab and edit into this episode because uh i'm not doing any work editing this Um, part
0: part of the deal of this podcast um, is that it's uh straight
1: straight to tape it's straight to tape uh to borrow a phrase from the the brunigs uh the other Uh, the the first married couple of leftist podcasting. We will always have to be the second married couple of leftist podcasting, unless we fight. Um, it'd be fun to start a little beef, a little beef with the Burnex. Uh, they they describe their podcast as a low, their low. Welcome to our low effort, low quality podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Uh, but that that is my promise to you. Anyway, so there's a TikTok this week of some 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 dame, some dizzy broad. Uh, posting. I I don't even remember what it, it's it's be like. All male books. This is
0: the kind of books that like straight male men have in their bookshelf. And it's
1: like so. For the first one was of course Infinite Jest, and it was like I at this point I'm not even sure what the argument was because I think in this one it was partially like you haven't even read past the first page. Yeah. So it's like, is it that people have it as a signifier and don't actually read it? Yeah. Is it that? Uh. DFW himself is such a bastion of like toxic mas- masculine worship that people feel this is the only book they need to read and in fact be- is better than all books especially ones written by women.
0: Yeah. I get I I do wonder if it is like the idea that Infinite Jest might be might be the at least the the great um, uh, American novel or mm-hmm. one of them. And then, but it's written by a man. Yeah, how dare a man? You're telling me a man wrote <laughs> this tell, novel. You're telling me a man wrote this novel. But then she, I mean, she's also not. It just it, it more speaks to the. It's it's almost like a culture that's like dying out though. The idea of like caring about reading.
1: Yeah, this who, a, nobody
0: this gives a, this a shit about. This is a podcast after all, and
1: all these takes are so trite. It's like, oh, you like you like Salinger. You probably think that book's about you.
0: Or like the the one that got me is she said, you read Philip Roth because you're not secure enough in your own masculinity to read Joan Didion. I'm like, first of all, those two are not analog. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> I think I probably met way more guys who read they, Joan jo- Didion, Didion so yeah. they can sleep with women. Yes. Didion's cool. Didion? Well, she's cool. She's got her own problems too, but <laughs> bust out a little, you know, slouching toward Bethlehem and, and the girls will get... Wet AF. <laughs> Grab a mop and a bucket <laughs> Grab- for that sloshing towards Bethlehem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just Sl- like more like sloshing towards Bethlehem. <laughs> am I right? It's awful. It's just like I. I'm at this point though. The the real thing is get new book opinions. Like nobody. First of all, nobody actually reads. Second of all, ragging on Salinger shit for being like Boys Club is la- is, is 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 something that was trite by the 70s. Uh, yeah
0: but, it's it's quite boring. Yeah. It's I do think I think the TikTok books having dabbled like a little bit in it, is like TikTok books cor- discourse is very much like it's all about diverse female authors which mm-hmm. fine. Um but it's really canted toward like young adult. Yeah, well that's the thing. And Make which a is fucking not, TikTok
1: about being like oh y'all's a girl you only read you only read books that are that are fantasy elf relationships for 7 year olds. Right,
0: like or continuing to care about Harry Potter.
1: Or, or like, any of these things.
0: Which is fun. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, people can read whatever they fucking want. I, mean, I don't really care. I, I still really play care. Dungeons
1: and Dragons, and that's mostly about, like, wizards and elves and stuff. But uh, I don't build but a the- personality or, like, a Tumblr community about, like, uh, you know, doxing Dungeons and Dragons scenario creators because their, their dungeons aren't intersectional enough. so <laughs>
0: Chris, how intersectional is your dungeon? Uh, extremely. You need to do. Col- you need to decolonize your dungeon.
1: Of, I know. Well, we word. did even this year. We did a, a a a bit about whether orcs are racist or not.
0: So it's it's relevant. It's just like c- you know. Congratulations on reading a book. Yeah. I think I think books are good. I like them. Um. You know, but books are like sex. I don't really talk about it too much in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I read I read this book for the first time in college and mm-hmm. even I instinctually knew as a girl, kind of a cute girl, I'm like, I'm not going to bring this up at a party. Mm-hmm. No one should bring it up at a party of any gender. Yes. Any kind of gender. <laughs> talk, I, knew, I knew Don't better, talk about books. The I first rule
1: book club is don't talk about books. Don't book talk club.
0: about books. B- don't talk about book club. No, the I, I knew instinctively. I was like, I cannot if I if if I talk about if I tell, God forbid I tell someone to read, never tell anyone to read any kind of book.
1: Yeah. Never You're only tell, here because you want to be. Never tell anybody to consume any kind of media. Don't tell media. anyone to do anything. <laughs> yes, the best the best way to approach media is being like is being like, hey, this thing is good and I enjoyed it. End of end of sentence. Not like you gotta. You, you have gotta to read you this. You gotta. You simply must. Uh not to not to prolong this or keep coming back to Salinger, but I do think that the the main problem with catcher in the Rye is it is assigned reading at too young an age Mm. you get assigned to read it at the age where you are holden's age and that is incorrect you need to read that when you're like five to five years older than holden you're like oh this child is is an asshole it's not like this oh not like
0: running away from home that sounds fun yeah it's a very this is water situation where you're like yeah this is my guy
1: (laughs) yeah Yes, I am he is my age, and everybody around him is mean to him, just like me, and so I must be like him and share his opinions
0: everyone's a fucking phony
1: you know you he, I, yeah I, don't
0: don't give him the phony book at the time when uh, in, in fact, fact everyone, everyone is a, is a phony yeah. to you
1: um yeah that should it should honestly be more like college reading, even if the reading comprehension level of it I mean, I think I got assigned to read that in like seventh or eighth grade yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: you know what I actually don't think I was assigned it maybe
1: ninth grade i don't know mm. That's that's the problem problem with Salinger. It gets drilled into you a little too early, and I think he's he's writing up from a little past that. But that's that's. Just I also like sign. Nine
0: Stories better. So yeah, Bana- look at me talking about Salinger like a toxic mask. Uh,
1: get get, <laughs> get those banana fish.
0: Get the girl. Get those, those banana, banana fish. fish. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, as we said before, we will do this forever, and especially. I, I want to be clear. We explicitly started this project, not just because we like hanging out on mic with each other. And, yep. um, you know, it's a book that I always wanted to read and Molly loved. So we would do it. But we explicitly started this project because we knew, like clockwork, every four to six months, people would be hooting and hollering about the book on Twitter. And we knew that we could promote it against that. And,
0: yep, exactly. So if you're thinking of a podcast, think about what maybe a charcuterie podcast.
1: Charcuterie that only
0: people get cyclically mad about that. It's not a pattern yet. Uh, Maybe dating age gaps. Dating
1: age gaps. Honestly,
0: a podcast where you interview people of different age gaps and like talk about it.
1: Yeah, that could be very, very controversial. Yeah, because I'm sure you would find some that are like completely nice and normal, and then some that are like genuine like deluded psychotics and uh and the the people they groom.
0: Yeah. Very exciting. Mm -hmm.
1: All right. Shall we call it? Yeah. That was a good section. All right. We'll be back next week with more of this. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Uh, Bye-bye.